Dr. Christopher Yuan is a professor at Woody Bible Institute. He's an author of three different books, the most recent being Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. You, dear listener, may have become familiar with his work because of his book and a lot of his ministry was built around one of his first book, I believe, which was Out of a Far Country. That's right. And I'm just really thrilled for you to be here. Dr. Yuan is going to be speaking uh, at the Child Discipleship Forum, which we'll get into a little bit later. But just first of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your ministry with this audience. Yeah, thanks so much, Ross, for having me on. Really appreciate um, just the ministry of WANA. And it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of uh, this coming conference. Well, thank you so much. So I want to jump right in because you are someone, if anyone's familiar with your story, um, they know that I don't have to spend a lot of time asking you questions because your story, how God has used your story is just, is just incredibly compelling. Mm-hmm. And you are someone who has taken a bit of your story and leaned into that for your ministry. So I want to just start really broadly, because one of my favorite things about your story is that you uh, picked up a Bible from a trash can. But if you <laughs> wouldn't mind just to set the table for folks of filling in, how does one get from where you started to writing a book about holy sexuality? Because I know there's uh, quite a journey there. Yeah, Ross, thank you, thanks for asking that. Um, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have any of that wonderful background that many of our Christian children do have. Uh, yet my parents raised me with very traditional Chinese values that um, I sometimes help people to understand that uh, distilling that to three things, obey your parents, do well in school and practice piano. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, from a young age, I wrestled with my sexuality, um, but I didn't tell anyone. This is back in the 70s and the 80s. It wasn't until my early 20s that I came out of the closet as I Mm. used to say, told my parents, devastated my mom and dad. And amazingly, through that crisis, my mother came to faith and my father came to faith. I went the opposite direction and I spent most of my free time just partying with all my other friends who didn't know Christ. As I'd like to remind people, my story is not just about sexuality. My story is about, I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was blind and now I see. That's really the core of my story. I was expelled from dental school and then I moved to Atlanta. Okay. And I just kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was have fun, right? I mean, sure. that's what that's what the world tells you. Have fun, you know, <laughs> do, you know, you do you. Yeah. And I did that. I wasn't just selling drugs, I was actually supplying drugs. And this whole time my parents had no clue that I was even doing drugs, but they knew my biggest need was to know Jesus Christ as my Lord Mm. and Savior. So they tried to reach out to me, love of Christ. I wanted nothing to do with it. They came to visit me one time and I told them to get out. Sure. They weren't preaching at me. They weren't even telling me I was living in sin. I I knew what they believed, but just the fact that God had so radically transformed their lives that they radiated Christ, that was offensive to me. And yeah. I told them to leave. But my mom and dad committed to focus not on hopelessness, but upon the promises of God. And along with over a hundred prayer warriors from their church, from their Bible study fellowship group, they began to cry out to God. She fasted every Monday for seven years and once fasted 39 days on my behalf. She would spend hours every morning in her prayer closet reading the Bible crying out to God, interceding for me, for many, many others. She knew that it was going to take nothing short 
of a miracle to bring this prodigal son to the father. Goodness gracious. Well, miracle is exactly what God did. This miracle came with a bang on my door, open up my door, and on my doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs. Wow. <laughs> I just received a large shipment of drugs, not my largest, but they confiscated my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. So with that amount, I was facing 10 years to life in federal prison. So I tried calling home, just thinking, I'm just going to get an earful. Yeah. But my mother's first words were, are you okay? No condemnation, no berating words, just words of unconditional love mm. and grace. Um, a few days after that, I was walking around the cell block. I passed by this garbage can and I thought, this is my life. I've just destroyed it. I was about to pass it by, but there was something on top of the trash that caught my eye. Bent over, picked it up. It was a Gideon's New Testament. <laughs> Took it back to my cell. And for the first time, I read through the entire gospel of Mark that, by, that night. But, you know, I was not thinking this is the answer. I just thought I've got tons of time on my hand. And yeah. I'm pass it somehow. Nothing else to lose. Yeah. But as you know, what we have in our Bibles, Ross, is not just ink on paper, yeah. but what we have is the very breath of mm. God. It's living, it's powerful than any double-edged sword. It began to convict me of my sin, and I thought things were going to get worse. And well, it did. I was called to the nurse's office, and she gave me the news that I was HIV positive. Oh, so a few days after that, I was laying in my bed and I look up at the cold metal bunk above me and someone had scribbled something and it read, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. <sighs> See, at the most hopeless point of my life, God was using the words penned by a prophet thousands of years ago to a rebellious nation, Israel, to tell me that if God could have a plan for Israel in rebellion, he could have a plan for me Amen. in prison. Yeah. And I had no clue where that plan was going to take me, but God gave me enough faith and enough strength to get through that one day and the next and the next. My transformation was gradual. God was convicting me of my idols, which were many. God kept bringing in mind other idols. And, you know, there was just one thing that I felt like I just couldn't let go of. It was my sexuality. I turned to the Bible alone and I went through every yeah. verse, every chapter looking for justification and I couldn't find any. So I was at this turning point. Yeah. Either abandon God in his word, live as a gay man, pursuing monogamous same-sex by allowing my attractions, this is key, by allowing my sexual attractions to dictate not only who I was, but also how I lived. Yep. Or abandon pursuing a monogamous same-sex relationship by freeing myself from a sexuality, by not allowing my desires to control who I am mm -hmm. and live as a follower of Jesus Christ, as the days and the weeks of months of abstinence passed, I realized that my sexuality shouldn't be the core of who I am. I told myself before, God loved me unconditionally. That's true. But don't we as sinners like to add to God's truth? I added, so therefore God doesn't want me to change. But I realized after reading the Bible several times that unconditional love is not the same thing as unconditional approval of yeah. my behavior. My identity shouldn't be defined by my sexuality. My identity shouldn't be grounded in my desires. My identity is not gay. It's not ex-gay. It's not even heterosexual for that matter. Because my identity as a child of the living God must be in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. God says, be holy 
for I am holy. And if you think about it, God never says be heterosexual for I am heterosexual. Instead, God, and neither did he say be homosexual for I am homosexual. Both are wrong categories. Instead, God says be holy for I am holy. Therefore, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. That's not the right goal. But the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. As a matter of fact, the opposite of every sin is holiness. I don't need to focus upon whether I'm struggling, whether I'm tempted, but I just need to focus upon living a life of holiness and living a life of purity because change, it's not the absence of temptations, but change is a spirit wrought ability to be holy, even in the midst of temptations. Because the ultimate issue is not whether I'm struggling or whether I'm tempted, but the ultimate issue is that I yearn after God in total surrender and complete obedience. Moody accepted me, released from prison in July of 2001, started the very next month in August. I graduated wow. from Moody 2005, received my doctorate of ministry in 2014, got my master's in exegesis. And then 2011, I had the incredible honor to co-author a book with my mother called Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. That actually many Christian high schools are using as a textbook to actually use as a counter narrative, the true narrative of biblical sexuality, because we're hearing all these stories from the world that, you know, they're embracing, quote unquote, embracing who they truly are. And they're, right. they're so happy. But what we have to be telling uh, this younger generation, God does not really want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. He Amen. wants us to be like Christ. You know, there's so much in your story that people are going to obviously find compelling, but there's two things that, and you started, you landed there that I want to jump into. I want to talk about the power of a praying mom. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this issue um, and how you talk to kids about it first though. So that's obviously the heartbeat of this podcast, right? Like every week we're featuring people on this podcast who are helping leaders navigate this world with children. One of the things that stands out to me that is unique about we'll just call it the issue of sexuality is we're not that good at talking about it as a church at baseline. You said something recently that I really appreciated, which is sexuality is not who you are. It's how you are. How does someone who is coming into this conversation wounded begin to help disciple a child in a differently, in a much different world? I think the church, uh, the visible church has had a tendency to be reactionary. Okay. And we have this tendency to be like a pendulum. And so we're on one extreme or the other. Maybe it is the church didn't really talk about sex and sexuality, or when it did, it was in a very shameful way um, or a very legalistic way as if Christianity is just about a bunch of rules. Or forgive me for interrupting, but or to your point about how heterosexuality is the ultimate, the church has done historically, the broad church has done a a horrible job at elevating singleness. And -hmm. I think has done a very, just minimizing what God really has to say when it comes to sexuality. Forgive me. I just want to make sure I also include that part of your wisdom. Yeah. And so in, uh, the pendulum then is sometimes where parents then maybe become a little bit too permissive on the other side. Mm. And, and that can be kind of grace at the expense of truth. Whereas, you know, maybe they were raised truth at the expense of grace, sure. but also, like you say, we're elevating this, this concept of, of heterosexuality as the standard, even 
if I can go as far as to say, even elevating marriage higher than it ought to be. Marriage is a good thing. And, and, and I really challenge the church on this. Um, we, we need to hold up the sanctity of marriage, yeah. but that does not mean denigrating singleness. Because we have this concept that if we say singleness is good, then we're denigrating marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think everyone, you know, most Christians that I know, they will say, oh, no, Christian uh, singleness is good, but it's special. Like, like it's, it's a very, very special case. The way that Paul talks about singleness is not this very, very, very special, even gift. Uh, Paul does use gift there in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, but it's not a special spiritual gift. Right. Even though it's the same word that Paul uses, uh, a charisma, uh, which is actually the, the root of that is charis, which is grace. So in other words, this is a grace gift, something that is given to us uh, that we don't deserve. So we need to be really careful that as we are training up our children uh, yes. and, and as a parent, many godly Christian parents uh, pray for their future spouses, their children's future spouses. And I think that's a wonderful way to pray. I suggest to parents keep praying that prayer, uh, but add this to the prayer up until and if they get married but up until they are married while they are single women and men may my child follow after jesus without abandon the resilient disciples podcast is brought to you by the child discipleship forum as ministry leaders you've been called to child discipleship Every week, you fill the critical need for a loving, caring adult to pass on a legacy of faith to the incoming generation of children. Hundreds of thousands of leaders around the world commit themselves to this high calling. Time only reveals more clearly that, now more than ever, we must come together for a strategic conversation about child discipleship to shape the future of the church and commitment to the gospel. With that in mind, I'm inviting you to the Child Discipleship Forum on September 16th and 17th in Nashville, Tennessee, or online with a simulcast viewing. Join us and 16 visionary speakers as we cover topics spanning cultural analysis, child advocacy, and local ministry practice that will help equip you, a loving, caring adult, to pass on a legacy of faith to the children you disciple. You don't want to miss this critical conversation as we shape the future of the church. It's time we recommit ourselves to the timeless act of child discipleship to ensure the faith of our children will grow as they lead families, communities, culture, and churches for generations to come. Save your seat today at childdiscipleshipforum.com. Ultimate meaning of marriage, Paul tells us in Ephesians, which is it points to the ultimate reality of marriage, which is Christ and his bride, the church. Uh, so marriage as we know it here on earth is just the penultimate, where the ultimate is um, on that final day when Christ, um, on the wonderful uh, wedding supper of the Lamb, uh, will right. be united with his perfect bride, which is the church, the body of Christ. So even though we will be single as individuals in eternity, we corporately, as the body of Christ, the redeemed, the elect, will be wed I want to make sure we're tr people who are tracking with this, who are, you know, saying, wait, I thought this was a conversation around homosexuality. Why are we talking about singleness now? What, what's happening? I think what's important before you even really get into walking kids through this is to recognize 
God's full intent and God's full picture here. And I love the distinction you make between holy sexuality and abstinence in, in singleness. And yes. I want in preparing for this conversation, you said you made a point, which is great. Is you don't know anyone who's ever been born married um, <laughs> because right. it is an experience that we've all, we've all had, whether we're married or not. Now I want to specify this conversation a little bit and connect it back to your mom, which is the people who listen to this podcast are radically invested in the future of the faith, you know, and it's a future in your, so much of your ministry, so much of your work um, focuses on how you are speaking to a world that is much different than the world you came from. Sure. The, the culture that these kids are growing up in is much different than the culture that you grew up in, the culture sure. you experienced. Now you and I have a commonality, which is mm. both of us came to the faith as adults. Mm. I wasn't uh, picking a Bible up out of a trash can, but that is something that you and I share. <laughs> And as a result, I think I always tend to look at it almost with envy mm. at how much uh, opportunity there is for folks right. to listen to the podcast to be able to speak into the lives of kids so That's that right. the kids they're talking to don't waste as much time as people like you and I wasted right. uh, before we came into the, in, into the fold. So I want to be cautious and be very explicit about why I'm not being overly prescriptive because I believe that it is really important for people to invest time and energy into work like your work. But I wanted to lean into the power of your mom praying and mm. in that moment, because when I think about what a leader who's listening to this might be thinking about, you know, because someone in their club just came out to them and they said, I've told you, I haven't told my parents. Mm. And when I'm thinking about, you know, the moms and dads who are listening to this, who are going, I know I'm going to love my child. I'm going to love my child, but I'm trying to figure out what to do after that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that stands out to me about the difference that your mom's prayers made in your life is that she just, she started with prayers. Cause I think a lot of folks think the biggest responsibility is that they got to drag their kids into Christ. And your mom took a much different approach. Well, you know, I mean, her, her flesh, um, response would, would not be, uh, to pray and fast sure. and, um, uh, being Chinese, uh, and a typical tiger mom, <laughs> it's, you know, how do we fix this? Right. And, and yet, um, and partially was, was my doing because I was so hopeless and so rebellious and so, um, antagonistic toward anything to do with them and, and the church and, and the Christian faith. Um, but it was, um, it was just desperation and her realizing that there really wasn't anything that she could do, um, mm. you know, with an adult child who um, just pushed away um, and I live far from them. So, um, and it wasn't her saying, I'm going to pray. You know, as, as my mom talks about it, uh, her prayer life really was birthed out of her daily renewal um, mm. and just uh, being saturated in the word of God. That, that really, it was a natural outflow. She wasn't doing that to change me. That's important. She prayed, of course, we hope for that. Right. But she wasn't thinking that there's a direct link between me, you know, doing this and that it was just simply 
I want to talk to God. I want to hear my biggest, you know, my heart. Um, There is no formula for our children's conversion. (laughs) There's no formula for a prodigal um, repenting. And um, so, but we just are simply commanded. Um, And it is a response that when we hear from God, we respond. Yeah. So I think prayer and fasting, that's just a response. And, and God changed her. Well, Um, and I, and I think that what is so critical, you know, you made the point about she was out of her daily renewal. You were an adult. You guys did not have proximity that mm -hmm. a lot of the folks listen to this have a lot of more proximity to their kids. Yeah. And therefore they have not only a more opportunity, but I would argue much more responsibility. Again, you just touched on it, right? Like there's a reason we can't be necessarily very prescriptive because you know your kid's best person who's mm-hmm. listening to this. You know yeah. what they're coming from, where they're at, like, and I'm not at all pretending to do that. But I would yeah. implore anybody within the sound of my voice to make sure you are connected to people like Dr. Yuan's work because not only the basis in scripture, but the way that everything you talk about points back to the father ultimately doing the work. I think it's so critical that you make the distinction that your mom, of course, was hoping for you to live a different lifestyle. Ultimately, what she was doing was going to her father mm-hmm. on behalf of her son yeah. so that her father could do the work. And, he and, and it's recognizing what is the main problem, because a lot of times I our unique ministry, and I say our because uh, this is not my ministry. I mean, obviously, it's the Lord, but it's my parents and I. So we minister together. And that's if it, I may, it's, it's you rare. really person who's listening to this, you got to watch a YouTube video of their ministry. It is so compelling to be able to watch the three of you and how you guys present your and, incredible testimony. And, and it's my privilege to have that, uh, to be able to minister with my parents. Speaking to, to parents who have prodigals and parents are truly broken and that's a place we need to be. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the reason for brokenness, I think is more on the symptom than the cause. Mm. Because the symptom is actually just the rebellious behavior, whether it's drugs or whether it's, or even, you know, our child identifying and embracing same-sex relationships. The real grief should have been when they walked away from God a year or two before that. Yeah. Um, And that same grief should be equivalent for our other child who is doing well and on the outside, maybe even successful, but not walking with the Lord. Yeah. The, co- the, the, the true problem is uh, when our children are not submitted to Christ. Um, all the other things are just the consequences of not mm. submitting to Christ. And I'm so glad that my mom and dad realized that, you know, that my biggest sin was not being in same-sex relationships. That was not my biggest sin, but my biggest sin was unbelief. Here's, here's something really important that I hope your listeners and watchers will, 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 will seize and understand. The real ultimate, ultimate job of a Christian parent actually is not to produce godly children. That's not your responsibility because you can't even do that. You cannot make your children be godly because if you could, you'd be God. Then yep. here's a little secret. You're not God. <laughs> but the real 
responsibility of a Christian parent is not to produce godly children, but simply to be a godly parent. You be godly and then let God be God. And that then takes, takes the weight off. Yeah. And, this get, and I bring this up because this, this is why it, it drives us to prayer. One of the hardest things for parents to realize is that they cannot save their children. As much as we wish we could, we can't. Parents, you can't. As an adult, you can't. As a speaker, I cannot. The last thing I want to ask you about is, um, you know, we're gathering folks together September 16th and 17th in Nashville. And it's an entire conversation purely dedicated to child discipleship. And one of the reasons why I'm so glad that you are part of this forum is because you are speaking to not only a specific part of the world that these kids are, that we're all growing up in, but also what we're going to do about it. So can you speak to just why a dedicated conversation around child discipleship is so needed for such a time as this, especially coming off of a global pandemic? Well, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say for such a time as this. And um, <laughs> I mean, not only just the pandemic and all that, um, and, and just the need just for some face-to-face interaction with real people, <laughs> um, uh, which many of our kids have been lacking for a whole year yeah. uh, and parents have as well. So, but we're, we're living in a new world. We really need... Um, to know how we can disciple our children, not just on the ways of the Lord and the gospel, uh, but on the most relevant issues of our day, like gender identity and sexual identity. So I, I think this is so important. And, and I, I, I also want parents to realize um, that it is the home where biblical sexuality should be taught primarily. Mm. Good. It has to be the home. The reality is um, it's not the job of a Christian speaker. Yeah. It's not the primary job of even the church to teach our kids about biblical sexuality. That responsibility rise, lies solely in the hands of parents. And so it must be done. However, with that being said, um, the home should not be the place. Sure that biblical sexuality is being taught because I know I've heard uh, one of my good friends who's um, a pastor uh, in the Was- in Washington uh, said that, uh, you know, in, in the youth group that uh, they were going to talk about biblical sexuality and some of the parents um, pulled their kids out, not because they didn't want their kids to, to learn about biblical sexuality, but they said, uh, it's my responsibility to do that. And, and I don't want, you know, oh, I don't want the church to do that. And, and, and they're partially right. It is their responsibility to do that. Uh, but it should not be the only place we should not be afraid to talk about biblical sexuality. Um, it should be uh, something that, because when we pull our kids out, that, that is inadvertently communicating that I don't want you to learn biblical sexuality yes. um, from the church. I would much rather you learn it from the world because believe me, the world is discipling our children and they're doing it on a daily basis. And parents, I hope you're talking about biblical sexuality on a daily basis, but in most situations you're not. Yeah. So 
the primary place today that kids are being taught sexuality is in the world. If they have a phone, yeah. a smartphone, an iPad, if they watch, if they're on the internet watching YouTube, um, yeah. if they have friends, <laughs> if you yes. don't lock them up in an ivory tower, if they have friends, um, they're being discipled by the world on sexuality. And um, so I, I really want to encourage parents to not be like the ostrich with a head in the sand and not be afraid to talk about sexuality, but we need to be okay with, you know, our hope and we're being this initiative, holy sexuality, chastity and singleness, faithfulness in marriage is good news for all people. That it's yes. not just uh, a, a, something that we need to hide away, that we're ashamed, that we can only talk about in the home. It's so good that we want to tell everyone that we're not afraid to talk about it in church. We're not afraid to talk about it, uh, you know, on the bus. So we're not afraid yeah. to talk about it uh, on the streets as everyone else is talking about worldly sexuality that doesn't lead to good, but at least to harm and it leads yes. it away from God. Thanks again to Dr. Yuan for the time and thank you for listening. We obviously talked a lot about it during the conversation, but I can't stress enough how much I want you to join us at the Child Discipleship Forum. You can check out the show notes for more information about the forum. And I would also encourage you to check out the link that I put in there uh, that is just Dr. Yuan and his parents telling their story. Like he said, obviously, there's parts of his story that have a very specific context around what he is calling holy sexuality. However, what I also hope you take from his story is the power of a loving, caring adult. In his case, it was his parents. It was his mom praying for him day after day after day. But you, the person who's listening to this podcast, have that same kind of power in the lives of the kids that you reach in your community. And I'm so grateful that you choose to have this podcast be a part of that. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week.